Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome in, everybody. Another edition, college football betting. I'm your host, Aaron Torres. It is a week six edition. And if you're wondering, hey, Torres, what took so long to get me this show? Well, I'll be honest. I've been making college football picks in some form or fashion for probably about seven or eight years now. And I think you can legitimately argue that this is the toughest week that I have ever had to make picks because I can't ever remember so many players that are super high profile, especially at the quarterback position, that as of mid to late week, we don't even know if they're going to play. Like, it's one thing if you're missing your corner or a safety is questionable or the offensive guard or even a punter or a kicker. I count today, as I get set to record here around 2 p.m. Eastern time, I count six different marquee quarterbacks that as I record, and they may be available, may not be available by the time you listen, but six marquee quarterbacks that we don't know if they're going to play on Saturday or not. Bryce Young at Alabama, Max Johnson at Texas A&M, Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma, Quinn Ewers at Texas, K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas, and most recently, we got word that Will Will Levis might not play for Kentucky. So we are going, this is going to be a proceed with caution episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. I'm not telling you not to make your wagers, but just make sure more than ever, Listen to this show, listen to the information, but you got to follow the injury reports. You got to do all sorts of uh, just extra work, frankly, because we just don't know not only about injuries, but to high profile players. But with that said, the show must go on. So week six is a fun slate. We're going to get to all of it in a minute. Before we do, though, I want to remind you, as always, this show, everything Aaron Torres media related is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook. Okay, so I told you about Betfred Sportsbook. 1967 started in the UK. They are the most reputable sportsbook overseas, 1,600 shops in the UK. They have come to the United States and have made a big splash. In addition to working with us, they work with the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. And as a matter of fact, I'll tell you this. I've told you for weeks that nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. Well, how about this? If you listen to the Aaron Torres pod and you live in Denver, we gave out four free tickets to the VIP tailgate between the uh, excuse me, the Denver Broncos hosting the Indianapolis Colts on Thursday night. Betfred has a VIP tailgate. Four listeners of the Aaron Torres pod are headed to that tailgate. So thank you to Betfred. And by the way, if you have not signed up, it is not too late. Go ahead and sign up. 
Bet 50 on any game. Get to 50 courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. Also, I will give you my best bet of the weekend later on. Potential boost option for that as well. But thank you to Betfred. Thank you to Betfred for sending some of our listeners to the Denver Broncos VIP tailgate. And make sure to pay attention. Uh, uh, Betfred is in Ohio. We're coming soon. Uh, for Ohio, for the Cincinnati Bengals, January 1st is when Ohio legalizes sports betting. I think I will be in Ohio uh, around that time uh, as part of the promotion. So really fun time for Betfred. Really excited. But as I said, nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. Thank you for their support. And thank you for their support of college football betting with Aaron Torres. With that said, let's get to the week six slate. And what I'll say is a couple games, again, because of injuries and other stuff, have lost a little bit of their luster coming in. But I do want to start with kind of the, the game that I think we've all kind of had our little eye on here since, uh, what, since since May. I'm, of course, talking about Texas A&M, Alabama. I don't know that we were locked in on Utah, UCLA back in May. But obviously the big story over the last four or five months has been the Jimbo, Nick Saban back and forth. It has calmed down over the last few months. Um, And I think now coming in, there's two completely different stories that are worth visiting as we head into this game. Alabama, I should mention, is a 24-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook, the over-under at 51.5. But the two storylines are pretty straightforward. Texas A&M is not that good. They are 3-2. and They have a bye next week. It feels like, for all intents and purposes, they are going to go into their bye 3-3 and overall. Alabama is playing without Bryce Young. And I think that's where I want to start with this conversation. Because, again... Not telling you not to bet it, not telling you to bet it, but we have to proceed with caution because right now we do not know what is the status of Bryce Young. Hurts his shoulder last week, uh, goes out of the Arkansas game. They rally without him, but I kind of have two quick thoughts on it. One, Nick Saban has said that Bryce Young has done some stuff at practice this week, but what I would also say is a couple things. One, if you listen to his rant earlier this week that went viral, Um, He said something about, you know, what do you want me to give the playbook to Jimbo? I think that was a message to his team. There are no excuses whether Bryce plays or not. I expect you guys to compete at the highest level. But then on the flip side, and I do think this is important as well, even if Bryce Young plays, I was thinking about this. You got to think that Alabama will scale back a lot of what they do in this game if Bryce Young plays because you can't get him hurt permanently, right? The toughest games on the schedule are still ahead. They still go to Tennessee. They still go to Ole Miss. They still play at LSU, and all of a sudden, LSU could be a top 15 team if they keep winning by the time that Alabama gets there. So I don't know if Bryce Young is going to play. I don't even know if Bryce Young knows if Bryce Young is going to play, but I expect him to be limited even if he does. Now, if he does not play, I think it's interesting to note, Jalen Milrow, this is where it gets interesting. Let's work under the assumption that either Bryce Young is playing but very limited or that Jalen Milrow will play. You got to go back. We obviously, as fans, do not have a ton of tape or even information on Jalen Milrow. And what stands out is this guy is a hyper athlete. Okay, so Bryce Young's really talented. Bryce Young's a great athlete. Jalen Milrow is a freak athletically, 91 yards rushing last week. But when I go back to that Alabama-Arkansas game, what does stand out, one thing does really kind of stand out to me about that game itself. It's the fact that Alabama won. And Alabama won going away, and I give them credit, right? They, 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 you know, Arkansas cut the lead from 28-0 to 28-23. We thought Arkansas was back in the game, potentially going to win that game, and then Alabama runs away with it. 
But I was thinking about that game, and the one thing that really did stand out to me, Alabama really pulled away because of some really big plays by their skill position guys on offense. Jalen Milrow himself had a 77-yard run, which set up a touchdown. Jameer Gibbs, 72-yard run. Jameer Gibbs, 76-yard run. Those two, of course, were touchdowns. Jameer Gibbs, I think, hit about 22 miles an hour on one of those runs. And so what I think is the key for Texas A&M to even keep it competitive, I'm not even going to get into the A&M offense, but to keep it competitive, I do think the key, the X factor is pretty straightforward. They cannot allow big plays. Make Bryce Young, who's limited, or make Jalen Milrow sustain drives because that's one thing we really haven't seen from Alabama. Outside of the early part of the Arkansas game, when Bryce Young was at 100%, we haven't seen Alabama sustain drives, and we did not see it against Arkansas last week. Now, from the Texas A&M perspective, I think it's easy to focus on the fact that we don't know Bryce Young's status. What I would say about this game, though, we don't know Max Johnson's status either, the starting quarterback at Texas A&M. You can say what you want about his limitations, about A&M's offense, about Jimbo Fisher. But he has brought a steadying force to that offense, even if he is a little bit limited. And so to me, it'll be interesting to see, does he play? If not, does Haynes King play? And can they, in their own right, get any sustained drives on offense? I don't know that they can, but I do think it's worth noting. If there's any positive about this whole situation at A&M, Devin A-Chain has emerged as a legitimate star over the last couple weeks with Max Johnson in the lineup. Gets Miami 88 yards rushing, five yards per carry. Against Arkansas, 159 yards rushing, nine, or excuse me, eight and a half yards per carry, and 111 yards last week against Mississippi State, seven yards per carry. So to me, what this, I think what this game comes down to, I'm not going to overanalyze the AM offense because it's just not very good and we haven't seen very much from them that makes us think that they will. I think the only way AM is competitive. They have to keep they have to limit the big plays on offense from Alabama. And I should say, by the way, I think it's possible. I watched all of Nick Saban's press conferences this week, and I will tell you, I don't know how he feels about Jimbo Fisher personally, but he has respect for the players that Jimbo Fisher has. He talked a lot about the defensive players, the talent, the length of the corners, the problems that they create. And so I think this is on AM's defense. And I'll say this about AM's defense. To their credit, they've actually been pretty good this year outside of the Mississippi State game. I think the Mississippi State game was more of a byproduct of they were just on the field for a million plays and the offense can't get can't stay on the field to sustain drives themselves. 21 points allowed to Arkansas, nine points allowed to Miami. I should note, even in the App State loss, uh, 17 points allowed by that defense. So to me, if I had to make a play, my best bet would probably be the under of 51 and a half. I think that AM defense can limit the big plays from Alabama. If they do, that will limit the offense. I think we all question, regardless of who's at quarterback, though, for Texas AM, whether they can make plays of their own on offense. Listen, Jimbo Fisher's paid $9 million a year. He supposedly got this incredible offensive mind. Get out the playbook, get out the scrapbook, get out the chalk, come up with some creative plays to get Evan Stewart the ball, Chris Marshall the ball, Devin H. the ball. That's the only shot you got. I'll tell you, I do think the under of 51 and a half is probably my best bet. Let's keep it going with what I think is actually kind of, to me, the actually the marquee game of the week. So Tennessee goes to LSU. Who had this, by the way, as a top 25 matchup when the season began? Tennessee is a three-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. The over-under 
is 65 in this game. And when I look at this game, one, I do think, I, I think bottom line, I think this is the best game on the schedule this weekend. Um, and a couple things do stand out. I think, first of all, what stands out to me is kind of what I just talked about a minute ago. It's the idea that we are now at the time of the year where the schedules are kind of all over the place from this perspective. Some teams are banged up because it's week six, six games in a row, plus fall camp, plus this, plus that. Some teams are coming off buys. Some teams are going into buys. Some teams like LSU don't have a buy for another two or three weeks. And so I think that's an important thing. And it's not just the Tennessee game. Think about all these games. Think about the fact that South Carolina is coming off a bye against the banged up Kentucky team. Think about the fact that, um, you know, Michigan this week, last week before they, they play Penn State and then they have a bye next week. So I could just go on and on. But I'm just here to tell you, I think that is a big factor coming into these games is who is fresh, who isn't. Well, Tennessee, obviously, again, off of a bye last week following the Florida win, playing an LSU team that I think they're banged up at two very important positions. One, Jaden Daniels, their quarterback, is less than 100%. And if you watch that LSU-Auburn game last week, LSU was able to rally, but Jaden Daniels missed a big chunk of that game, and I do think that is going to be an X factor on Saturday. Jaden Daniels is LSU's leading rusher. He's not only a very good quarterback. He has exceeded my expectations as quarterback, but Jaden Daniels is a very good rusher. Uh, he has over 300 yards rushing this season. About a third of LSU's rush offense comes from Jaden Daniels. Five and a half yards per carry, three touchdowns. Well, you look at the rushing stats over the course of this season. Uh, he barely he barely ran the ball last week because of that injury. He was very limited. Had 34 yards against Florida. I mean, he's been averaging about 35 or so yards per game on the ground. Now he's completely limited. For people who did not see, he banged his knee pretty bad. Thankfully, there's no structural damage. There's no problems. There's no major injury that needs surgery. But it's sore, it's not 100%, and that would worry me. Now, on the positive side, if there's ever a day to sit back in the pocket and just sling the ball, this might be it. Because not sure if you've heard, Tennessee's pass defense is not very good. And when I say not very good, uh, they currently rank 128th out of 131 FBS teams, last in the SEC, last in the Power Five. But it is worth noting also, you know, I mean, listen, I don't think Anthony Richardson's a star, but but was he, you know, maybe Florida was saving a little bit something for that game. I don't know. But I just bring it up because I, I just look at that game and I sit there and say, I really do think that one advantage Tennessee because Jaden Daniels is less than 100%. And I think it's worth noting. And again, I'm not trying to make light of a very serious injury. That's not what I'm trying to do at all. But at the same time, LSU's one of their best corners, seven banks. If you watch the Auburn game, very sad, very scary, was carted off on a stretcher. Now, he's going to be okay. Again, no major injury, but he's not going to play in this game. Major Burns, who was supposed to be an important corner on this team coming into the season, has not played yet this season. You're down two corners against the best pass offense, not only in the SEC, but unless I'm mistaken, uh, you know who's the number one pass offense in college football? It is the Tennessee Volunteers 365 yards per game. So to be down two corners in this game against this pass defense and not be at 100%, that's a very scary situation, especially against the quarterback. It's not just that Tennessee throws the ball a lot. It's that Hendon Hooker is so, what's the right word, efficient. 
72% completion percentage, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. And so to me, again, I don't tell you how to bet, but I will tell you, I don't love betting road favorites, especially in the SEC. But when I look at this game, Tennessee's weakness, I don't know if LSU can take advantage of. Tennessee's strengths, I think, are going directly against a problem for LSU coming into the week. And one final note, yes, LSU's at home, but you talk about a break from the scheduling gods. Tennessee football has not gotten a lot of breaks over the last decade or so, but a break from the scheduling gods as Tennessee, this is an 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern kickoff. I think that is a huge advantage to Tennessee as opposed to having to go in there at 7 or 8 o'clock at night. I give advantage to Tennessee. This is my Betfred best bet. We're going to look to try to get this game boosted. Tennessee minus three at LSU. How about them Vols? Rocky Top Tennessee, baby. Final. Oh, my goodness. What a game this should be. I'm really excited for this one. And I'll say this. One of two things is going to happen coming out of this game. And we're going to get to UCLA, Utah, and take a quick break. But one of two things is going to happen. Either Tennessee is going to be established as, oh, my goodness, they're the third best team in the SEC, them or Ole Miss, or LSU is going to be way ahead of schedule under Brian Kelly. Fascinated to see how this game plays out. Finally, let's get to uh, the game that I just mentioned. And I will tell you, this is one. This is one that there are no like super major injuries, but this is one I always try to be honest with you guys and girls that listen to this show. I always try to tell you the truth. I have no idea what to make of Utah at UCLA, a top 20 matchup at the Rose Bowl, about 15 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. Utah is a three and a half point favorite. The over under is 65 and a half. This is going to be a really fun one. First of all, from the first of all, I don't think people realize these are two really good teams, right? And don't give me the SEC this and the Big Ten that and the like Utah. Yes, I know they lost at Florida. I think if they play Florida a week later, they win convincingly. Because I, I just don't think they had any any tape on Anthony Richardson, and he gashed them. And in the second half, they outplayed Florida. So that's one. But two really good teams. UCLA is interesting because they haven't really played anybody of note up until this past Friday when they hosted Washington at the Rose Bowl. But they steamrolled three group of five teams, one F, well, two group of fives and one FCS team. They beat a really bad Colorado team that fires their coach. And I think everybody was kind of questioning them coming into the game last week against Washington. And they were completely dominant in that game. They were up 40 to 16 going into the fourth quarter. I know the final score would make you feel like it was a lot closer than it was. No, UCLA ran Washington until Washington rallied late. What's interesting about this game, again, I think two really good teams, UCLA 5-0, Utah 4-1. And Utah, I do think it's worth noting as well, just absolutely crushing teams since they beat, uh, since they lost to Florida in week one. Utah, since that Florida loss, here are the scores of their games. 73-7 to to Southern Utah, 35-7 to to San Diego State, 34-13 to to Arizona State, 42-16 to against Oregon State. Um, so they're playing really well. They've outscored their opponents 184-43 to since that opening loss. And I just think it's going to be a really good one. Now, in terms of the matchup itself, here's why I get tripped up. Here's why I can't tell you how I think this one is going to go down. Because I think we all kind of know who Utah is, run the ball defense, which we'll talk about in a minute. I don't think people realize UCLA is a crazy explosive offense, and they're also way better on defense this year. Now, you can argue that UCLA hasn't played anybody of note outside of Washington, but first off, one of the most complete offenses in college football. And I think what stands out to me, you have teams that are really effective passing the ball like Tennessee. 
You have teams that are really effective running the ball. UCLA does it on both sides. They're in the top 25 nationally in rush offense and pass offense, very balanced. And I think that makes them tough to game plan for. But here's the other thing I don't think people realize. UCLA is actually really good defensively this year. They rank in the top 10 in rush defense, which is why I can't. If Utah does it really well running the ball, this is why I'm concerned about UCLA. Because UCLA has a top 10 rush defense. UCLA has given up two and a half yards per carry. UCLA's only given up a couple rushing touchdowns in four games at five games this season. And so UCLA, top 10 rush defense, they're number one in tackles for loss. This defense gives people problems. I don't think people realize. Now the question becomes, can we do exactly what I just said? Can Utah give UCLA problems? I don't know if Utah can just run the ball right at them. Utah, they are who we thought they were. Top 15 in rush defense and what they do better than a rush offense, I should say. And what they do better than anybody, they run the ball right at you, but they control clock along with it. Top 20 nationally in time of possession. And then this is my new favorite stat that I just discovered on teamrankings.com. I talked about it last week with Kentucky. I'll talk about it again this week with Utah. Utah is in the bottom 20 nationally in terms of time per play. Okay, so think about Ole Miss. They run a play, sprint to the line of scrimmage, want to score, get, want to run another play. Utah's the exact opposite. Run a play, walk back, go to the huddle, talk it out. What do you think? What should we run? Let's get back. Let, and so I only bring it up because if Utah can sustain drives, then that makes it very tough on a UCLA offense to get into a rhythm because Utah's just going to chew up the clock and walk out of the Rose Bowl with probably a 24 to 21 victory. But if they can't, if UCLA can get a couple stops, if UCLA can make a couple plays in the backfield and make Cam Rising make plays with his arm, then I think UCLA has a big advantage. So this is one, again, UCLA is a three-and-a-half-point home underdog. Utah, a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in the Betfred Sportsbook. Just a total stay away to me. If you have a great feel, congratulations to you. I am not touching this one with a 10-foot pole. All right, this is what I want to do. Do want to take a quick break? Do want to come back, talk about the rest of the games? This is how good the slate is. Oklahoma, Texas have not talked about. Uh, Ohio State against Michigan State have not talked about. We're going to take a quick break, talk about those games. Kentucky, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Arkansas, on and on and on and on and on. Kansas, TCU, I haven't touched them yet either. Be right back. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. 
creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Let's get to the rest of the week six slate. And let's start with some updates. Because since I started recording, when I hit record, as I said, there were six quarterbacks that we did not know the status of coming into the weekend. Bryce Young, Max Johnson for Texas A&M, Alabama. Uh, Will Levis, KJ Jefferson at Kentucky and Arkansas, respectively. And Dylan Gabriel and Quinn Ewers at Oklahoma and Texas in the Red River shootout. Well, we've since gotten two updates since I started recording, as one is really bad. Max Johnson is out not only for the Alabama game for Texas A&M, he could be out for the entire season after a really bad hand injury. So that's bad news for Texas A&M. You're now putting Haynes King, a kid that very much uh, has struggled with turnovers throughout his career. He will be starting in Alabama. I don't think that is a good thing, and I would be very worried if I had an AM plus 24 and a half ticket, 24 ticket, excuse me, in the Betfred Sportsbook. What I would also say, though, is, listen, this is going to come down to the defense. It's going to come down to finding creative ways to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And we're going to learn if Jimbo Fisher's worth that $9 million that I don't think most people think that he's worth. If you're a $9 million coach, figure out a way to move the ball and create offense with what is the backup quarterback who was originally the starting quarterback. So Max Johnson is out. The other big piece of news, and it is important, and it perfectly transitions into a game that I want to talk about, uh, Red River Shootout, Oklahoma, Texas. Quinn Ewers is back for this game, first reported by Pete Thamel. Um, and I'll tell you, I, but, but what I'll tell you about this, though, is I don't know how much it really alters this game. Texas Open is a seven-point favorite. It was up to nine and a half before we got the Quinn Ewers news. And I think it speaks to, to, to a few things, and most of them don't have to do with Quinn Ewers. Most of them have to do with the fact that Oklahoma just isn't very good. And what I'm blown away by, like everybody else, this defense is insanely bad. Like, it's it's amazing, right? Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch get all this heat for all these years. Brent Venables comes in, and this is not to say that I'm giving up on Brent Venables. But Oklahoma currently has the 10th-ranked defense in the Big Big 12. So last the, the worst defense in the Big 12. They currently are giving up 50 more yards per game than any team in the Big 12, 119th nationally. And that rush defense is especially bad, 371 yards against TCU last week, 275 yards against K-State. And so when I look at this game, I don't really know how much it's about Quinn Ewers as much as it is about Bijan Robinson. Three straight 100-yard rushing games for Bijan Robinson. 
really good against West Virginia last week, 101 yards on the ground. And I think this is the game. You know, again, it, it almost goes to what I said about Bryce Young earlier. I think even if Quinn Ewers is back, you don't want to put him in positions where he's taking big hits. My guess is he's getting rid of the ball quickly. He's getting it out to Bijan Robinson. He's handing it to Bijan Robinson. I think this is a big game. From the Oklahoma offense perspective, I know that statistically they haven't been very bad, but have you watched these last couple games? I mean, this is just not a very good football team right now, especially on the offensive side, and we don't know the status of Dylan Gabriel coming in. This is a team that scored 24 points last week, but most of them were early with Dylan Gabriel. He goes down. I just think this is a bad spot. I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. I have no strong lean. I do like Texas, but this is a rivalry game. I've seen college football one too many times. The team that everybody gives up on rally and figure out a way to keep things close, if not win outright. Lean Texas nine and a half, but I have no super strong feelings about this one. Let's keep it going, um, and let's get to uh, what, what usually is a very good rivalry game. That is the Deep South's oldest rivalry uh, between Georgia and Auburn. Well, this year ain't the year, as Georgia is a 30-point favorite coming into this one uh, in the Betfred Sportsbook. The over-under is 49.5. And, and what I think is interesting about this one is a few things. One, I do think it's interesting. Like It feels like a lot of people are all of a sudden giving up on Georgia. On Georgia. I don't get it. I understand that there's been back-to-back weeks that have been somewhat disappointing, but this is still a team that destroyed Oregon to open the season. Oregon's been awesome ever since. Destroyed South Carolina at home. And where I think it's important to note is that on top of those two results, think about how the schedule works. Think about how college football works, right? You're Georgia. You established yourself early. Everybody's saying, are you better than last year? Are you tougher than last year? Are you meaner than last year? Then you get a group of five team. Okay, forgive us. We're not that fired up about Kent State. And then Missouri, I think it's easy to say, oh, they could have lost that game. Missouri really didn't move the ball at all. They just had excellent kicking, which is, of course, ironic because they lost the Auburn game on basically a chip shot field goal. But their kicker was excellent. They actually had fewer yards against Georgia than they did against Auburn the week before when they couldn't move the ball at all against Auburn. And so I'm not sold that Georgia's you know, falling off this cliff. I'm hearing people say, you know, are, are they taking a step back? Is this, is it? I just think they're not quite as good on defense, which how could they be? They lost five first rounders. And I don't think they're quite as good on offense. I think when you take Brock Bowers out of the game, don't allow him to make big plays. I think they're, they're, they're somewhat beatable. I think they're good. I think they're top three to top five team. I don't think they're the definitive number one team. We're going to actually get to the number one team potentially in the next, you know, next game. But I just bring it up to say I, I don't get the Georgia doubt. I still think they're really good. And I'll also say this for all. I think they keep playing hard for Brian Harson. Now, the offense is bad. I cannot sugarcoat an offense that uh, has struggled in every game except for Mercer, is not moving the ball, uh, 80th nationally in total offense. They are, in terms of scoring offense, not very much better, 107th nationally in total in scoring offense, excuse me, in the SEC – in scoring offense. They are actually the second to worst scoring offense behind only Texas A&M or ahead of only Texas A&M, but they're still playing hard on defense. You take out that Penn state game. They have been very good on defense. They are very good against the run. And I can see them actually keeping this respectable. Now, the other thing worth noting in this game, this is historically a very low scoring game. Last year, Georgia wins 34 to 10 year before 26 to set 27, six, 21 to 14, 27, 10, 28 to 7. So in the last 
five years. Georgia has won all five, but they've all been low scoring. None of them have gone over the 49-point total that we are going to see this weekend. As a matter of fact, you go back over the last nine games, it's only gone over 49 points one time. That was the year Auburn won in 2017 when Gus Malzahn was still the head coach of Auburn. So if I had to give you a lean, I would tell you take the under because this is a historically very low scoring game. And I also think there's a human element to it too. Let me just say this really quick before we move on. I do think like Kirby Smart's a coach and and it's funny, like I heard Lane Kiffin say this when they played Georgia Tech a few weeks ago, is that Lane Kiffin admitted, I really took my foot off the gas. I've been fired. It stinks. I knew the coach that we were playing against, who was Jeff Collins at the time, uh, was not doing very well. And I I didn't want to embarrass him. And I do think there might be an element of that to Kirby Smart as well, where I I don't think he wants to embarrass Brian Harson. I think he knows he's in a weird situation. The boosters have done him no favors, all that stuff. I think Georgia wins. I think it's something like 30 to three, something like that. I don't think it's like a a super high scoring game. And I don't think Georgia really has anything to worry about. Really quickly, last kind of really super marquee game that I do want to talk about. Ohio State at Michigan State. Ohio State, a 27 point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook over under 65 in this game. And what stands out to me about this one is, is, is a couple things. One, it is worth noting. It's Ohio State's first road game of the season. But let me ask you a serious question. Is there a team that gets talked about less that might be legitimately awesome than Ohio State? I mean, they're number three in the polls. I think you can make a case they should be number one. Top 10 in defense, top five in offense. Uh, They are scoring at will. Obviously, they had the little dust up with Rutgers last week, but they are the number one scoring offense in college football. Um, And they're just steamrolling everybody, and they've done it in large part without Travion Henderson, their best running back, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, their best wide receiver. So you talk about a team, top 10 in offense, top 10 in defense, without their best running back, without their best wide receiver, that says to me that this team is firing on all cylinders. Now, they are going on the road. This is their first road game. They are, of course, playing a Michigan State team that they beat 56-7 to last year. Um, And I think it takes us to Michigan State really quick. I don't know what else there is to say about Michigan State other than this isn't a good football team. And it's funny because I was one of the guys leading the bandwagon this offseason of, I don't think Michigan State's very good, but I look at them now. I don't know what they do well at all. Like, I I didn't think they were good. I picked them to lose to Washington. But you look at their schedule. Not only did they lose to Washington, they get embarrassed by Minnesota a few weeks ago. They lose 34 to 7. And then last week they play Maryland. I thought that was a nice bounce back spot for them. They lose 27 to 13. And so you take out a late rally against Washington three weeks ago. This is a team that basically can't move the ball against power five opponents. This is a team that even after putting up 52 on Akron is 92nd in total offense, 99th in rush offense, 73rd in pass offense. And I look at that and I just worry in the 30,000 foot view from Penn from Michigan state's perspective, because a couple of things, one schedule only gets tougher. They got Ohio state this week. They have, after Ohio State, they get Wisconsin next week, which is no guarantee. I think they're going to be playing well under Jim Leonard. They, they get a bye, then they go to Michigan. Illinois is not easy, and then they wrap the season with Penn State. And so all of a sudden, you go from Mel Tucker 11 wins. They might not make a bowl game if they don't turn things around, and I don't know what they do well going into this one. I think Ohio State wins. I'd probably take Ohio State to cover. Uh, I don't love giving up four touchdowns on the road for Ohio State. This one's a stay away to me, but I think Ohio State covers. Let's rip through some other ones. Listen, you talk about a piece of news. 
Will Levis, you start to hear reports Wednesday night he might not be able to play on Saturday. The South Carolina-Kentucky game, the line drops from Kentucky minus 12 to Kentucky minus 6 overnight. Probably means Will Levis isn't playing. Stay away to me. I would probably lean South Carolina. South Carolina, like Tennessee, is coming off of a bye. That is good news. They are fully healthy. Shane Beamer said everybody is expected to play. I would lean South Carolina there. But Will Levis, you know, you, you talk about a guy, I mean, apparently he is a touchdown difference on the field because they went from minus 12 to minus 6. Uh, Arkansas went from plus seven, a seven point underdog to now plus nine and a half Mississippi state, a nine and a half point favorite because KJ Jefferson probably isn't going to play. And this one to me, I'll say this. What's interesting about this one, as they play Mississippi state in this game, it, the over under is 59. A couple things stand out to me. People have been able to run the ball on Mississippi state. And of course, Arkansas has the, has an elite top 10 rush defense, but then Arkansas also has one of the worst pass defenses in college football, 124th nationally. Um, that is the third worst of all power five teams. But we know Mississippi State is one of the best passing offenses in all of college football. Um, so to me, if you don't like the nine and a half, I think the over could be in play here. But without K.J. Jefferson, all of the money is coming in on Mississippi State. Uh, a couple other games really quickly to rip through. Uh, let's see. BYU-Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a three and a half point favorite. The game is in Vegas. Notre Dame essentially coming off of a bye. I still don't really understand how they're favored. That feels like a stretch to me, but Notre Dame is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And then finally, this one's intriguing to me. Two, two, two that are intriguing to me really quick. Oregon at Arizona. Arizona is a 13-point underdog. Oregon a 13-point road favorite. Remember, Oregon has historically struggled in Tucson. Marcus Mariota, his last year when Oregon made the college football playoff, they lost at Arizona. Uh, Arizona does score a lot of points. They can't stop the run, though, so it could be a big day for the Arizona ground game or the Oregon ground game. And then finally, let's go back to the beginning of the day. Michigan, a 22-and-a-half-point favorite at Indiana, over under 59-and-a-half. Listen, Michigan has Penn State next week, a bye in Michigan State. I don't expect them to do too much. I think this is close and low scoring. I would lean the under there. But with that said, I do think it is time for me to get out of here. That is all for this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Um, you know, fun week. I try to be transparent, and there are just a lot of games where we just don't know a lot coming in. So I hope this was informative. I hope it's fun, and it is time for me to get out of here. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. College Football Betting with Aaron Torres, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to, if you could, by the way, give me a quick rating and review. We have a lot of people that listen to this show. Go on Apple. Just give me a quick five stars. Give me a nice message. Really does go a long way. Also, make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Thank you to our presenting sponsors, Betfred Sportsbook. It is time for me to get out of here. Enjoy the games. It should be a fun Saturday in college football. And I will be back next Thursday to preview the week seven slate. Next week, next week is going to be a fun one. USC, Utah. Michigan, Penn State, as I just said. I will be back next week. Enjoy the games, everybody. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. 
Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.